this evening, and I, I, sometimes we teach, sometimes we preach, and I'm just going to talk to you tonight, amen, and we'll see where the Lord's going to lead us, but there's just some things that have really been burning in my heart that um, we've, we've gone all around it, we've dove into it a time or two, but I just want to make sure we get these things laid out um, in a way that uh, anyone who wants to grab hold of them can. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 13, and um, we'll begin at verse number 11. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 11. This is the, um, the parable that Jesus taught. We find it in Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke. We find it in three of the four Gospels. And um, it's, it's a parable about a man who, um, who planted a seed. And um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, uh, Christy. I'm going I'm to pull that, this up. For some reason, I, keep, I don't know if it's an internet connection or what, but I keep losing it here. So I'm just going to pull up my backup notes, and if you want to change the slides on the verses or amen. I thank you for that, sister. So Matthew uh, chapter 13, and um, it was such a distraction this morning, man. Every time I look down at my notes, it would go blank, and I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, so anyway, so we're not going to fool with that tonight. I don't know what's up with it, but we're, everything's good. Amen. Are you blessed? All right, so in, um, <clears throat> so it's a parable that Jesus taught about a man who planted seed, and he was using that parable to um, draw the connection between the Word of God, which is seed, and the condition of men's and women's hearts to receive that seed so that that seed, the seed of His Word, can produce results um, in our lives. And I don't know if you understand this yet or not about your Heavenly Father, but He's all about results. He, he's not about busy work. Do you understand busy work? Like just, you know, make yourself look busy. He, he's not interested in wasting your time or, or his, and he's an eternal being. Are you understand what I'm saying? But, but it's, that's not what it's about. And, and so the Word of God has been given to us on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose included. And, and the Bible says that the, the power of God resides within the Word, Isaiah 55, to prosper in your life for the very reason Father sent it to you, and to accomplish in your life the very thing he sent it forth, spoke it to you to accomplish. So there's power to accomplish and there's power to prosper uh, things in your life. And that's all contained within the Word of God. And if that sounds odd to you, um, just think for a moment about a seed and the power that, that resides within a seed um, to produce a tree, to produce a stalk of corn, to produce tomatoes like we have out in the hallway from Brother Ed or, or what have you, um, those giant squash began with a seed uh, smaller than your pinky nail. Um, and, and yet from that seed came a plant that produced all those squash, and of course all those squash have more seed inside of them. So the Word of God has that kind of power within it. Amen. Um, for instance, the Bible says that He sent His Word and healed them. So the Word of God pertaining to healing um, is not just meant to inform. It's not just meant to let you know that healing's available should you ever want to ask God for it. But the Word of God that speaks concerning healing actually has healing power in it to produce a harvest of healing in your life. Just like a kernel of corn has power within it to produce more corn, the Word of God's seed concerning healing 
in your life has power within it to bring healing to your body. We looked at it multiple weeks in a row out of Proverbs 4, where he says that the Word of God is life to those that find it and health to all your flesh, literally medicine to all your flesh. So there, there are healing properties, there are health-giving properties that, that are contained within the Word of God itself. Amen. So Jesus is saying that, that He's here to plant the Word in our hearts, but the condition of our heart, which in, in, again in this comparable parable uh, is talking about different soil types, different soil conditions. And what it really basically boils down to is the attitude of the individual, right? The attitude of the individual heart towards the Word. In, in other words, what is your attitude towards the Word of God? Because if you have a wrong attitude towards Father's Word, His Word will be able to produce very little in your life, if anything at all. But the right attitude towards Father's Word will, just like right, right seed, right soil, will produce a tremendous harvest. Um, right attitude towards His Word, His Word planted in your heart, will produce tremendous harvest. Okay? Now, in this uh, parable, um, Jesus explains, you know, the different uh, soil types and, and the result of planting seed in those soil types and how those represent, you know, uh, people who didn't understand the Word, uh, people who received the Word uh, joyfully, um, but they had no root. And so when the least amount of pressure came, they, they backed away from, you know, following through on what God instructed them to do and missed out. Other people received the Word and it produced results in their lives and then other things grew up around it and choked it out and it became unfruitful. But then you've got the folks, right, who the Bible says they, they held on to the Word, they, they, they allowed roots to become established from that Word in their lives and it produced a 30, 60, 100-fold harvest in their lives. And this is really not telling the half of it, but I like to simplify that by saying it made things better 30 times, 60 times, 100 times over in their lives. This is the power that the Word of God has to make a difference in your life and in mine. All right? Now, I want you to see something, though, that's, that's really important here. Um, so, uh, verse 11 says, He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. And so we see a couple of very important things here. And, and the first one is that there were a group of people who had been given a gift by God to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. The mysteries of the kingdom, we said, were secret, sacred, hidden truths. Okay? Secret, sacred, hidden truths. The Bible says, we won't have to turn there, but the Bible says in verse 34 and 35 that in these parables, Jesus revealed mysteries, secret, sacred, hidden truth, that had been hidden since the foundation of the world, from the foundation of the world. In other words, it had never been made available to mankind until now. So this is some really important truth that will make a really big difference in our lives, in the lives of those who are able to hear it, see it, understand it with their hearts, okay? Now, turn with me to 
the book of Proverbs. Proverbs uh, 29 and 18. And um, let me show you this verse, uh, first of all, in the, uh, in the King James Version. Proverbs 29, 18 in the King James Version. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Um, that one's up towards the, the top, Christy. I didn't mean to throw you a curve there. It's not beneath that one. It's probably about the fourth or fifth slide coming down. So, um, It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, <clears throat> I have, and I'm not saying it's, it's a wrong uh, interpretation of this, but a lot of times when we hear teaching or preaching from this particular passage, um, it's, it's about setting goals. Um, it, it's about looking to the future. Um, and, and that is important. The Bible teaches that. Don't misunderstand me. Um, but if we take this verse, where there is no vision, the people perish. And if we look at the New King James Version, the New King James Version breaks it down just a little bit further. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. So what these two verses, you say, well, Pastor Mark, that, that sounds completely different. Well, if you, all we have here is um, words that are being expounded. Remember, a word is nothing more than a container. This glass is a container, and it, has, it contains water. A word is a container, and it contains meaning. Amen. And one word can have great depth of meaning. So when we say vision, vision could be your ability to see physically. Vision could be your ability to see inwardly. Vision could be a vision cast for the future. In other words, the word can have multiple meanings. And many times in the, in the Bible, the, the, Jesus even himself was a master at this. He would use a play on of words, like what we would call a play on of words, where he would take two similar words and, and use them together um, to make an imprint in, in people's minds. Um, you know, what is that? What's the concept of a double entendre? In other words, there's, there's actually dual meaning intended in all of that, okay? And so when, when one says where there is no vision and the other says where there is no revelation, what he's simply doing is taking that word vision and clarifying exactly what it means. And so he's not just talking about your ability to see into the future, but he's talking about your ability to see things as God reveals them to you. Let me give you an example of what we mean by revelation because this is what the disciples had that the multitudes did not have. When Jesus says, it's been given to you, if you're not familiar with, with, with what was above uh, the passage we jumped in in Matthew 13, after Jesus, after Jesus gave the parable, the disciples says, why do you always teach in parables? And Jesus said, I teach in parables because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to the, to the masses, to the, to the people at large, it has not been given to them. Well, when we, when we say, well, what is he talking about has been given to them? It's been given to them to know the mysteries. In other words, it's, it's something that's being revealed to them by our Father in heaven. All right, let's, let's try to use this as an example. Do you remember when um, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? 
What's the word on the street? It's not because Jesus didn't know. Again, he was setting the table for a very important lesson. Because he wanted them to see there's a difference between popular opinion and the truth. Just because nine out of 10 dentists surveyed say it's true doesn't mean that it is, right? I mean, 12 spies went to the promised land, 10 said no way, two said yes, and you think, well, the majority rule. 10 have to be right, but the 10 were wrong, the two were right. Joshua and Caleb were right, all the rest were wrong. Are you following me? So when, when, we, when we talk about um, you know, Jesus asking who, who do men say that I am, um, he, he knew what people were saying, um, but he was trying to show them that there's a difference between what people say and, and what's the truth. And so after they gave some answers, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Because it's not just what other people say, it's what you say that's important. And, and you need to get that question right. Amen. And so this is when Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. I believe if you'd have been standing nearby that afternoon when he said that, you'd have had chill bumps all over your body. Amen. And Jesus looked at him and he said these words. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Now, this is a classic example of what, of what revelation is. Revelation is when something is revealed to you not from the world around you, not from other people or other things around you, but revelation is something that comes from God within you. That didn't come from outside of Peter into Peter. That came from within Peter out of Peter. It was revealed to him by the Father. Let me try to say it another way. Apart from Father God revealing that to Peter, he would have never come to that conclusion. He would have never reached that understanding. He, he would have never um, been able, even if, listen to me now, even if Jesus says, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Peter goes around telling people he's the Christ, the Son of the living God, just because Peter could regurgitate what he was told does not mean it's in his heart, does not mean the revelation of it is inside of him. So that's a real problem because there's a lot of folks who, who know a lot of Bible, but they know it in theory, not in revelation. It hasn't been revealed to them yet. Amen. I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm just trying to help you see some things here that are very, very, very important. Because revelation is, is what we need. Revelation and, and, and understanding things that we could, because, amen, let me, there's another passage, praise God. It's, it's deeper down. Um, in my notes, but I want to show it to you right quick. Um, Christy, it's slide 31. Slide number 31. And it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says this, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. All right? One more time, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why does he not receive them? If, if it only said does not receive, if it only said does not receive, we would think, well, it's just because he's not willing to receive them. Or he refuses to receive them, right? But, it, but, but what he's literally saying here is that he does not receive them 
Why? Because they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. In other words, it, it won't compute. You, 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 can't, you, you can't come to the conclusion on your own. You can't make sense of it without the Lord helping you. Do you realize, anybody in here born again? Anybody in here believe Jesus is Lord? You've confessed that out of your mouth. Do you realize the Bible says that no man can call Him Lord but by the Holy Ghost? The only See, we think, well, you know, I found the Lord. You didn't find nothing, Jack. He found you. Right? We try, to, we try to, oh, I just jerk my own self up by my own bootstraps and, 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 and came to the Lord. I came to the Lord. No, He brought you to Himself. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the only way you are ever to, able to recognize Him as Lord and call upon His name to receive salvation is that it was given to you by the Holy Spirit. Amen. You heard, when you heard the faith that you were given as a baby gift by your heavenly Father. Every man dealt the measure of faith. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You heard the Word of God. It awakened. It aroused that faith within you. That faith comes to the surface. And then you took a step of faith, right? And when you took that step of faith, the Holy Spirit is right there holding your hand, right there alongside you, ushering you into this glorious salvation that Jesus paid such a high price for us to have. Do you remember King Agrippa? He was, he was going to poke at the bear, right? He was going to get Paul, bring Paul out of his prison cell and, 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 and bring him before him. He's going to have a little fun with Paul, right? And so he starts, you know, some kangaroo court. And next thing you know, Paul starts sharing the gospel with him. Paul starts sharing his personal testimony with him. And all of a sudden, King Agrippa has been agripped, right? I mean, he, he, he went from uh, the interrogator to being interrogated and didn't even realize and he makes this statement. He says, you almost persuade me. He actually said, get him out of here. You almost persuade me to be a Christian, right? That's what happened. He started hearing about Jesus. That faith in his heart came to the surface. It was awakened. It was aroused. It began to stir within him. And now all of a sudden, he's thinking about calling on the name of the Lord. But what did he do? He didn't take that step of faith, right? He shut it down. Sent Paul away. So are you seeing... The Holy Spirit is the one. Let's go back to it. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Think about it for a moment, what we're saying here. And I, I don't mean to trivialize these things. But somebody you've never seen was executed by the Roman Empire a couple thousand years ago. And if you believe on him tonight, you won't go to hell and everything you've ever done wrong will be forgiven. I mean, you know, if you start trying to... In other words, you can make it like some late-night comedian sound ridiculous. And to the natural man who doesn't have a, 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 any kind of understanding or revelation given to him by the Holy Spirit concerning these things, it does sound far-fetched. It does sound like some fairy tale. It does sound like something ridiculous. That he breathes galaxies out of his mouth. That he said, light be, and there was. That he spoke the planet into existence. Again, see, you can, you can say these things in a way that just, they sound preposterous. But by faith we understand it, don't we? By faith we have an inward knowing. It's not, it's not intellectual. It's not rational. It's, it's inward. It's inward. And, and, and so you hear me say it this way sometimes. Pastor Martin, do you believe all that? I am all that. I don't just believe it. I am this. I didn't make this up. This has made me. This is making me up. Amen. But see, you'll never have that certainty. You'll never have that confidence unless the Holy Spirit unlocks your understanding. 
It's revelation. It's revelation. All right, so let's go to, um, praise God. Um, let's go back to, uh, to Proverbs 29. You get anything out of this? Let's, amen, two of you are. Good, let me keep trying. All right, so Proverbs, <laughs> Proverbs uh, 29, um, again, he says that um, where there is no, King James, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Now, let's talk about, we've, we've kind of laid a basic foundation of why vision and revelation are connected, but again, one just helps us dial it in with a little more precision. Let's take that next part, where there is no vision, where there is no revelation, the people perish, the people cast off restraint. Let's take the last one first. Cast off restraint is basically saying anything goes. Praise God. I, I try to use, abstain from phrases that involve people's names, but Katie bar the door, you ever heard that one? You know what I'm saying? In other words, it's just like whatever, you know? I mean, it's just, and, and so the more understanding and revelation we have, the more restraint is, is automatically brought into our lives. Um, let's use uh, Joseph as an example when Potiphar's wife wanted him to commit adultery with her. And he had such a revelation of who God is, he had such an understanding of what God what was pleasing to God and, and, and what, you know, uh, uh, the fellowship and the relationship, if you will, that he had with God. He didn't have sex with her. Remember what he said? He said, I can't do this thing to my God. I, 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 in other words, he, he had such an, an understanding of what and how that was going to affect his relationship with his heavenly father and how it was going to hurt the heart of his heavenly father that it brought restraint into his life. You've got to know he was tempted. And you understand what I'm saying? He, I'm, I'm sure Potiphar, a highfalutin man, probably had a beautiful wife. Um, it's, it's been rumored that Joseph was a very handsome, good-looking young man. Um, she even said, look, Potiphar's away. We're in the house by ourselves. Nobody will ever know. And she just kept putting that pressure on him. But notice, it was a revelation of who God is and what walking before Him uprightly according to His commandments meant to Him. That brought restraint. It, 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 it kept Him in check. It would be another way. Are you following what I'm saying? It kept Him in check. It, it prevented Him uh, uh, from, from doing, uh, you know, committing a sin, doing something that, that would have harmed that. So it's just, that's just one simple example of how an understanding, a revelation, something revealed to you uh, can bring that restraint into your life. But now, here's, here's the other side of that, and we'll finish here, okay? Let's go back to then cast off restraint and compare that to perish. Perish doesn't just mean die. Um, in your refrigerator, you, you have different things in there, but because they're in your refrigerator, they all have one thing in common. They're perishables. They have a, a shelf life. 
They have a sell-by date, a use-by date, or a best-by date, and then they have what we used to say around our house growing up, they have a croaked-by date, right? I mean, they, they, they are gone. They're dead, right? You know, pick it up and smell it. Ooh, no, you know. So if that pack of ham in your refrigerator perishes because it's a perishable, it's not just that it's dead, but the potential it had to make you a sandwich has been lost. The good that it could have done, the purpose that it could have served, the need that it could have met has been lost. It perished. What it could have become, what it could have done, the heights that it could have soared to, are all a thing of the past now. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is the concept of something perishing. It's not just that the people die without revelation, it's that the potential that they have is lost without revelation. What's the connection that I'm trying to get you to see tonight? The connection between Father being able to reveal things to you that you've never seen and that revelation releasing the potential that He's invested in your life. Let's look at it in just a natural setting, right? In the sense that, let's say you, you're hired on at a new company and you know, it's a good company, big company, good benefits, good pay structure, and, um, and you hire on as a, as a warehouse worker, dock worker. Um, there's all kinds of other positions there. Uh, in that company. Let's say you, you're working out there on the dock, but you're really interested in, in, in computers and technology. And so, you know, they realize you're a good worker, you show up on time, you go above and beyond. And so somebody takes an interest in you and they're like, look, you know, where would you like to go in this company? Man, I, I really enjoy computers and technology and stuff. Okay. And so they move you from the dock into the computer department and they assign somebody to you to train you. They're going to teach you and, and help you understand how to function, right? So now notice, as you learn the, the new information, as, as you are taught the new skill, that's going to release the potential you have to grow personally, professionally it's going to release the potential you have to earn more money to advance in the company to move up are you are you know what I'm saying so if if you never learn the potential you would have otherwise had to do the job will never be realized it's simple everybody in here you know can understand it if you want to but now I'm just talking about on a superficial or we could say even a, a physical, intellectual level. But if, if learning something new will help you advance in your career, how much more will learning something from heaven enable you to advance in life? Make you a better husband, make you a better wife, make you a better father, a better mother, a better son, a better daughter. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, Jesus didn't just come to teach you a new skill so you could get a raise on your job. He came 
to teach you the mysteries of the kingdom. He came to reveal to you secret, sacred truth that's been hidden from before the foundations of the world. Can't learn it in a book. Can't learn it in a book. You say, well, the Bible's a book. Well, the Bible's the Word of God. But the people who stripped Jesus naked and nailed Him to a cross could quote the Bible backwards. You follow what I'm saying? Thank God for the Holy Word of God. But again, this, this Word without a relationship with its author? Amen. Going to get you all kind of crazy ideas that were never in the heart of God to begin with. I mean, where do you think people come up with things about our Father and use Bible verses to support it, right, that could not be further from the truth? The devil himself shows up smiling, quoting scriptures to you. You see, where there is no revelation, the people perish by casting off restraint. Where there is no revelation, what is he doing here? He's, he's again, connecting our need to have things revealed to us that we do not know and cannot know unless flesh and blood, right, can't reveal it to you unless they're revealed to us from our Father in heaven. So when Jesus said it's been given to you but it hasn't been given to them, doesn't mean he's playing favorites. It means those men and women had done something that the other men and women had not yet done. They had an attitude towards Jesus and His words that, that allowed Him to unlock their understanding that others did not have, or as I like to say, they had given Jesus and His words a place in their lives that the others were yet to give Him. Amen? Praise God. All right. Um, let me read verse 11 and, uh, let's see here. Let's, let me read 11, 12, 13, and 14 to you from the message translation. Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. Jesus speaking, he replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it, listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. So notice he's talking about this readiness of heart where we have a heart before God that says, remember what the centurion said? Just speak the word only. You give the command, because that's all we need, Jesus, is for you to give the command. In other words, he understood this, this power of submitting to what God said and, and, how the, and how authority over devils and demons and sickness and disease is released through that simple act of humility. Do you remember what Mary said when the angel appeared to her and explained to her what was going to happen, that she was going to conceive a child even though she had never had relations with a man? 
And she basically, you know, asks a question or two, and then she says, be it unto me according to your word. See the attitude there, right? See the heart there. Did she understand it all? No. But it was, it was, a, it was an act of humility, an act of trust that enabled the word of God to produce what only it could produce in her life and body. Amen? All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, we're going to keep taking some swipes at this because there's just some important truth here. And we're going to look at it from a couple of different verses um, next week um, as well. Amen. Amen. Let me, I know I got you standing. I, I promise I'll be brief. We're going to see in the scriptures that that the value that we place on this word, I mean, not what we say, but what we, how we actually, the respect that we give, the effort that we give to this word, right, has so much to do with our quality of life and our ability to receive understanding and wisdom from God, revelation from Him, from the Word of God. Amen. Have you ever had... I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm asking you inwardly. Can you think back to a time in your life when Father's revealed something to you from the Scriptures where He's, he's, just, he's just shown you something, right? He's like, man, amen. See, without that, we can't survive. Without that, we can't thrive. Without that, we, we can't achieve our full potential. That's the key. Um, revelation is the key to the potential that Father's invested in you. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for, Lord, these beautiful people, Lord, beautiful souls, beautiful men and women who've come tonight. Lord, to worship you, to, to humble themselves before you, to, to receive uh, truth and instruction and wisdom from you. Thank you, Father. You, you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And I thank you, Father, for the diligence that's represented in this room tonight. Fathers, we go our separate ways. Our prayer is very simple that, that um, we would let our light so shine before others that they see our good works and glorify you in heaven. Father, that we would make a difference in the life of someone else this week for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.